This Wicked Chops podcast is brought to you by Ember Gaming, a platform with a plan. Visit www.embergaming.com. Now tuned into the greatest. Turn the music up in the headphones. Welcome to the latest Wicked Chops podcast. It's an emergency podcast, an emergency Breaking Bad podcast. Joining me, Jay Greenspan. Glad to have you back. Um, I'm glad I could support you in this uh, time of emergency. Yeah, and and we'll get to why it's an emergency first, but part of what led me to want to do this podcast is... You know, Breaking Bad's ratings are, are through the roof. It's the highest they've been. They're not Walking Dead numbers, but they're like half Walking Dead numbers. We're getting like five million per per show right now. And I remember before I watched the show, my friend Jeff Holsey used to do the WPT live updates, headed that up, um, had been telling me to watch Breaking Bad for for a year. And I always found it insufferable how snooty he was about how good the show was and how much he looked down upon me for for not watching the show or enjoying the show and i'm trying to think right now if you don't watch the show and you've got friends or people like me or maybe you who are just orgasmically spewing about it nonstop, how insufferable it is so this is part one of the podcast. We're, we're going to go through just the latest developments on Breaking Bad. Part two of the podcast, Entity Colin is joining me because the only thing that I can think of that's more insufferable than being a Breaking Bad fan right now and having to listen to it if you're not is being an SEC fan or a Notre Dame fan and how annoying those fan bases are and being an SEC guy and Colin a Notre Dame guy. We're going to talk a little bit about that. So anyway. Preamble aside, Emergency Breaking Bad podcast, how awesome was this week's episode? I thought it stayed right on course. I thought it was terrific. I I don't think there's been one episode that's really... I mean, they've worked at different levels of tension and at different paces, but I don't... I I, I think you'd have a hard time, you know, saying that any of them were a different... were a lower quality than any of the others. Yeah, and, you know, this episode to me was, uh, it it just encapsulated everything that I've historically thought about the show. And we talked about it on the first podcast where, you know, I always felt like I could see what was going to develop, like the moment they introduced a a thread or a storyline, but it didn't matter because it was so perfectly executed and the tension was so great, the writing was great, the acting was great, that I just, I overlooked it. And this was another case with this episode, and I guess, you know, we'll throw the spoiler alerts out there if you haven't watched this week's episode, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. But... Uh, like I, you knew exactly where this was going and how it was going to end, but it's still those last, you know, particularly those last five to seven minutes. Uh, it was just so well done and the tension was so perfect that you just left, you just, you ended watching the show and you were kind of breathless. And even like the next morning, you texted me the next morning and you're still kind of feeling it, right? Yeah. You know, there's something that I've been thinking about, like, with with this with the show and you know after after our last conversation something that occurred to me about Mad Men as well and this idea of earning it yep. you know of of what you do to earn um, a mood and what you do and, and what you can then do once you earn it and we talked we talked about this type of episodic uh, series 
which is, you know, this continuous story where you really get to know these characters. I mean, that call that he made to Marie at the end was yeah. like, that was as much of a foretelling of what was going to happen than, you know, Danny Glover saying, I'm getting too old for this shit, you yeah. know, or something. It's like, it was, you know that he's dead, right? You, yeah. know, you know, and you even know it's coming before that. And so, so the scene, so, so that sequence of events itself is very familiar to an audience and you know what's going to happen. But the fact that they've earned, they've done such a great job of earning this dreadful anticipation that comes after it because you really do care about Hank yeah. and you know that these guys that Walt is hooked up with are just horrible. So it's just like this five minute period where you know what's going to happen. There's almost nothing happening on screen where you're just left to stew in your own like Oh, it's just horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, um, it, it, yeah, it's a good point on the earning it because uh, it, it didn't feel like we know that or we're assuming, but I, I think everybody feels like when this episode picks up next week, whenever they get back to the shootout, that Hank and Gomez are probably goners, right? Like they're not surviving this. You would agree it, with that? Right. It would, it would seem extremely unlikely. So any other show that does, or almost any other show, that does that phone call between Hank and Marie, uh, it would feel cheap. Like, they're exploiting us. Happy. You know, like, just, yeah. Right. Yeah. But, like, to your point, as far as earning it goes, like, that was an earned phone call. They, they had five seasons worth of built up their relationship where that felt legitimate. Uh, her over the course of the season, her outrage at her sister and at Walt and uh, his as well, that that would be the natural phone call that, you know, any person in living in that world would make like, Hey, we did it. I got it. And you know, then, you know, that gratification that they're both getting out of it because again, they have earned it. It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and then that makes what's, you know, about to happen even more tragic. Did you even for a, a iota of a second not think that the neo-Nazis were going to show up? No, that's, that's the one thing that I thought was, you know, the, the one dynamic that they established that uh, in this season that I thought was sort of an eventuality that sort of had to happen, uh -huh. that Walt went back to cooking for the neo-Nazis. Yeah. Um, that they, they, there was just too much going on, you know, when he left, and, and you don't introduce this group uh, and have them kill off this other group and keep them in there if they're not, you know, playing a, a large part in the advancement of the plot, right. of the overall plot. So I thought that was coming. But, you know, it's, it's one of these things, like, like you just talked about before, it's not so much how, you know, the, the show surprises you enough. It doesn't need to surprise you with every single plot point. You know, part of it is just how you're, how you're getting there. Right. Yeah, they're we, doing it brilliantly. Yeah. We don't need an M night Shyamalan ending to every episode. Uh, or, <laughs> and, uh, and we saw where his career went. So maybe that's not a good thing, but, uh, yeah, it, it as soon as he made that phone call in, uh, I, I knew there was no chance they weren't going to show up. And part of it is, yeah, it's not like we're geniuses. They've done enough foreshadowing. We know Walt is alive. We know he survives. Um, and as we discussed in the last podcast, I know Pinkman at least makes it to episode six uh, of the season. So I'm pretty sure Pinkman uh, gets out of that car and gets out of there somehow or another. 
who knows what happened. Maybe they make Pinkman cook with, with Walt. Um, it, it would be somewhat fitting if Walt is more or less held captive by these neo-Nazis to keep cooking uh, because these neo-Nazis have taken over the, the, the meth business and now he's just trapped in this shit world that he created. Well, that's the, that, this is the thing about what... I started, started talking about this in the last podcast and what's making, for me, this... Uh, season so interesting is that this is when the ramifications of what he's yeah. done of affecting other people and also himself because as we've seen in the last two episodes really two or three episodes things are now out of his control mm -hmm. he's he's putting in into motion um forces that he can no longer keep control of. You know, Jesse was trying to set fire to his place. His brother-in-law would, I think, just as soon die than, than not take him out. Yeah. And he's teamed up with a group of truly scary individuals over whom he's got no, you know, over whom he's got no power and who are really willing to do just about anything to keep their stuff going. So he's, you know, he's having to deal with the ramifications of himself, which is profoundly interesting to me yeah and what's also interesting too is that you know he was always in control everything always worked out for him maybe he got some lucky breaks but he as heisenberg he was always in full control and as soon as he decided to let that go and not be heisenberg anymore and get out of the business is when everything unraveled as soon as he gave up his control it all went to it all went to shit yeah, trying to uh, try to have it both both ways, and you know, with the, the family and the uh, and the drug kingpin stuff, and you know, had to had to give up one, I guess. Yeah, and I one. guess if there's a lesson to learn is that if you ever pedal in the drug traffic, just don't get out of it. I mean, your life will go to shit as soon as you get out of it. So, and I think history teaches us that over and over and over. Yeah. So, uh, listen, kids. Uh, if you start dealing <laughs> drugs, I mean, even if you're just dealing pot in high school, just don't. Just stop. don't stop. Don't stop. Yeah. It's, it's the yeah. major. It's the whole point of Vince Gilligan's series. So, what do you think happens? Uh, what do you think happens at the beginning of this next episode? We, we they just wax Hank and Gomez, and and that's it. Is it unceremonious? Uh, they just die. What do you think? How do you think it goes? Yeah, I don't want to think about it too much. It's a little upsetting. I mean, I, I can't imagine that uh, Hank makes it through four minutes, you know, screen time. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised given the given the amount of firepower that those guys had that uh, he made it uh, to the to the front axle of that uh, of that SUV. Yeah. One thing I'm really impressed with. Did you ever watch any of the old Judd Apatow shows? Uh, Freaks and Geeks are undeclared. No. Okay, so Undeclared was was his second show. It had all the most of the regular guys, Seth Rogen, uh, and everybody that's kind of carried through. But uh, the guy, the neo Nazi that actually started that open fire, he was on Undeclared. His name was Lucian, and he was a an, an RA and very wimpy. And it's good to see that you know it's good to see Lucian go to the neo Nazi side and now be kind of a badass because. Twelve or fourteen years ago, on undeclared, he wasn't quite like that. But anyway, um, one other really uh, I want to talk about you with uh, that I found really interesting about the show is when I first started watching it three months ago. Uh, that <laughs> that uh, I, I I was rooting for Walter. I, I wanted I wanted. I guess just to... I found myself rooting for Walter. I didn't like Pinkman. I didn't really like Hank. 
Um, I thought, you know, at least out the gate, they, they created Hank as a bit of a stereotype. And now, as the series has concluded, I don't really like Walt, and I kind of want to see him get his comeuppance, and I really like Pinkman, and Hank's probably my favorite or most likable character. How about you? Yeah, the one who struck me last week or over the last couple of episodes uh, is Marie. Uh, the evolution, not maybe not so much, actually it's an interesting point, Chops, because it's not so much an evolution of her character as it's an evolution of my thinking about her character. Yeah. Um, in that when she's in her, you know, what she says to Walt, you know, in that uh, scene in the Mexican restaurant, you know, you should just kill yourself. Yeah. This all ends with you, right? You know, and then when she's talking to her therapist and she's got this, you know, murderous, you know, fantasies. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when you're watching her, she's a very, very compelling actress. And yeah. you really, like, get to see, you know, probably battling with some mental illness and, you know, or, or some issues. Kleptomania. Kleptomania, right. She's, she's a little unstable. But then you you really, like, th these ideas that she's she's putting out there that she's stating, you know, she's tightly wound, she's a little, she's a little off, but what she's stating, but what she's willing to say are things that, like, that you as the audience member are like, yeah, I wouldn't say that, but I sort of wish I was capable of it. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's, it's hard, it's brutal, and, and it's also kind of true. Yeah, it is. Um, so, so, I mean, I think, I think, and with Hank, you just come to appreciate him, you just kind of love his, like, his doggedness and his determination. You know, and he's, he's yeah, he's yeah. determined. He's he's ethical. He wants to do right by his family. He wants to do right by his job. He wants to do right by his community. And you know, although he might have been a little, you know, a little bit of an oaf or something for a while. I mean, you do. I, I, I totally agree with you. You get this growing appreciation of him um, that's really peaking just as he's about to die, perish. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and how about how about Walt? I mean, what do you? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I, I think one thing that Vince Gilligan has done. I mean, maybe better than anybody ever has um, over this. You know, over this amount of uh, entertainment, you know, sixty hours, is he's managed to mix in pure entertainment with you know, a morality tale and yeah. some heavy duty stuff that's been really, really, really great. And I think one of the, to me, this is my, my interpretation, one of the reasons that you find Walt so, you know, you root for him, you find him so compelling, is that some of the stuff that happens over the course of it, it's just, it's kind of funny. Yeah. It's kind of, it's weird. And it's like, he's a fish out of water. He and Jesse have like these incredible comic back and forths. And, you know, the heist on the train. Yeah. It's like he, he'll pull out, he's really like like a Marx Brothers type of character in his way, you know? He just wants to enter, he, he wants to tell you this tale, but he is, not, he is very, very concerned with keeping you entertained. And I think that may be some of what you're reacting to with him, like despite his absolutely horrific behavior, you know, you're so entertained by the show along the way, and he's at the center of it, so it's like, yeah, root for him, I want this show to go on. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it's, uh, the other, you know, interesting one with Pinkman is, I really did not like his character at the beginning. Uh, he just, he embodied everything that I think, uh, basically everything that I think of of that generation. 
uh, kind of lazy, entitled, <laughs> just just a lot of stuff I don't like. And to see, despite the fact that you know he killed Gale, that he's obviously done some pretty horrible things. Uh, how much you know, along with Hank, that he's really been in a way a moral center of the show, and now I find myself almost relating to him a lot more than I would relate to Walt, who I did sort of relate to, you know, as a guy that just, you know, wanted to do anything he could to keep, uh, you know, provide for his family and, you know, maybe didn't make the most ethical decisions to do it. But, like, I, I admired at least the, the effort that he put in to uh, make a better life for his family, if nothing else. That's why he got into so, Obviously, he took it too far. So let, let, let me suggest this. Yeah. In a couple of months, don't do it now, Yeah. but um, after this... After the first episode of this uh, half of the season started, I went back and I watched uh, the first half of the first season. Mm -hmm. You you start interpreting you, you interpret it very differently. Okay. You look at it very it's it's and, and that's how good this show is. It's going to be very different on the second uh, on the second view. Second pass through. Okay. Yeah, because I mean that I understand that view of it, and I think most of us were there in season one. Um, and then you start, you know, and it's about the decisions that move you along that path. But if you look back at episode one now, it's like he comes up with this idea. You know, he comes up with this idea almost out of thin air. And it really like, ooh, was he more Heisenberg than Paul, you know, at, at the beginning? it's It really raises some questions, and it's great. Yeah, and I guess to that point that... It, maybe it was because you, you find out, I can't remember, even though it's only been a few months, but right off the top of my head, I think you get the cancer diagnosis maybe within those first like, 10 minutes or so. Uh, it, it's that's right. pretty early. So, you know, here's this guy that's got all this pent up uh, frustration and probably anger from missing out on the gray matter opportunity. And he knows he's a genius and he's been overlooked. And then the cancer gave him this free ticket to say, what the fuck, who cares? I only got a year to live anyway, so I'm going to uh, live out my id, or uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, you're right, though. I do remember it all came together really quick, but I also remember thinking it came together very believably quick, too. Uh, like, I can, I could see how, how fastly it would devolve into, I think it was at the end of that first episode where he's standing in his underwear expecting the cops to show up, and, you know, it was nothing. So, yeah, yeah, I see it. Little, little bit of uh, we'll weave a little poker into this, but uh, you know, Pinkman, uh, Jesse Pinkman, Aaron Paul is known to play poker. At, I found out recently at the Sandia Casino uh, during shooting uh, outside Albuquerque. Uh, I guess he kills a lot of his free time grinding away at that casino at the poker tables. So I, I have played there myself. You have? How is it? Is it a good casino? Uh, no, not. <laughs> No, it's, I mean, it's not the worst I've been in, but it's... it's what uh, is the worst you've been in? Oh, man. Uh, the worst casino I've been in. Well, have you ever... It, it, the worst place to spend time is Tunica okay. in Mississippi. I, I've heard that consistently, and I've, it's the only region in the entire country I have not been to, casino-wise. Yeah, that's, that'll work. Um, <laughs> the, the, I, I will say this, but Tunica was the only place I got... Such the food is so terrible that yeah. at one point I'm like I'm having a heart attack, wow. and then I'm like, oh wait a minute, I'm going up a flight of stairs with no problem. There's nothing else. 
I'm just, I have never had heartburn before. <laughs> the food is just, um, but I think the nastiest casino, there's a card room in San Diego that I went to that was, um, that was really scary. That was like, I, I, I took a lot of money out of that game and I parked, you know, like a, I, I missed a lot. So I drove past a lot and I was, you know, and I asked one of the employees to, to walk me to my car. I was really scared. Wow. It was, yeah. Uh, okay, well, I'm glad the Sandy is not that bad. Um, so, here we are. We got, what, three episodes left now? Yeah, that's right. And we know that, or we mostly are assuming that, but safe assumptions, that uh, Walt survives the shootout, that uh, probably Hank and Gomez do not. One other, one other just putting pieces of a puzzle together with Hank is he is the guest on Talking Bad, uh, the, the talk show that discusses the show uh, next week. And it would seem fitting that if his character were to expire, that they would give him a proper send-off on Talking Bad next week. Just another point. But uh, we can assume that those characters are gone. Uh, it feels more now like, just because of that Heisenberg in the in the house uh, that they foreshadowed in the first episode of this, of this season, that maybe Walt does something pretty big and grand and, and embraces the Heisenberg in him in a massive fashion one last time. Right, so, so something, that there's a, there's a step in there that has to happen. So if, I mean, Hank did a very, really kept it between him and Gomez. Right. He, he didn't even tell the guy who was watching Huel. Right, for very um, believable so, reasons. But for very, somehow the, for the very believable reasons, yes. Yeah, but somehow the word gets out. So there is another, so, so the, the, the public... Um, knowledge that you know that Walt is Heisenberg will get out there, though I I really can't know how. Yeah, and they they did. We talked about it on the last podcast with Todd, who I saw a really funny uh, Mimi uh, that has a picture of him that kind of looks like Matt Damon, and it says Meth Damon. But uh, <laughs> but Todd uh, does that legend building about the train heist to the other associates. So maybe. Maybe they're the conduit to getting the... I, I don't know. But it just feels like there's something big that Walt's going to do that embraces the inner Heisenberg in him maybe one last time. And then there's, you know, what... Why's he got the gun? Who's he going after? There's going to be a gap in time. I'm not sure exactly what that gap is, but it's on his birthday. Right. Where they, uh, I, they, we got the gun. So I think we've got, what, five months or something? Yeah, you I know? think that there were uh, five or six months into year 51 on Walt, and we know that it starts with year 52 with the, with the Denny's. I uh, don't think for a minute, I've got a birthday coming up, that I am not doing a, a uh, 39 with bacon uh, on, on my <laughs> birthday uh, in the next week. So that is definitely happening and will be up on my Instagram. So, uh, so yeah, it, there's, I guess, you know, we're, we still kind of know the end game, but we don't know any of the answers on how it gets there. Just a, a few clues, so... Uh, it's just amazing that a show can uh, can give you so many hints and foreshadowing, yet you're still so eagerly anticipating and have so many questions to go to. It's just amazing. It's really amazing. Yeah, from, I really think this is a unique um, a unique experience that I've had with any sort of form of uh, entertainment. I mean, there's like definitely moments in theater that I've had and in movies where you've got an hour or two where you're just like totally, totally immersed and you're not, you know, you're, you're just absolutely 
into the story. You don't care to parse it. You just want to enjoy the ride. Um, but for something that's been spread out over this period of time, uh, this, this is a new one by me and I'm just, um, absolutely loving it. Yeah. I can't think of any TV viewing experience. that has been anything remotely like this. So, uh, so to, to being the insufferable breaking bad snob, uh, and again, comparing it to being an SEC football fan or, or Notre Dame fan, which we'll get to in part two. Uh, I, I just I feel sorry for any of my any of my friends that have to listen to me rattle on about this, and uh, and that aren't watching it because it, it probably is annoying. But you guys are missing out, and it's your fault. Shame so. <laughs> <laughs> on you. All right, Jay. Well, that'll that'll wrap up this uh, this emergency podcast. And uh, I didn't think that we were going to reconvene until the end of the season, but uh, we. Uh, but we definitely are. We're still gonna do. Uh, we're still gonna do the roundtable at the end. Uh, you've actually got. Uh, we've got one person that's gonna join us. Uh, a, a writer friend as well. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Who's that? Uh, Eric Raskin, who uh, editor of All In Magazine, uh, great great boxing writer. He does uh, boxing writing for Grantland. He's uh, and he is just a great great guy. Cool. So Eric's going to join us on the uh, the season-ending roundtable. We'll have a couple of extra open spots. So any of our listeners want to join in, uh, you know, hit us up. And that's it for part one. Thanks, Jay. And uh, we'll talk again. Who knows? We might be talking again next week, but we're definitely yeah. I'll talk to you next week. Okay. <laughs>